opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. The opinions represented during this show may not necessarily represent those of KRMG or Cox Media Group. Your host is Dan Witham, a financial advisor with offices at 8516 East 101st Street, Suite C in Tulsa. His office phone number is 918-398-8387. Dan is a branch manager with and securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Now here's Money Talk on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. Good Sunday morning to you. My name's Russell Mills and this is Money Talk in the studio here live and local in the big city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. We've got Mr. Steve Money and we've got Mr. Dan Witham. And Mr. Dan Witham likes to give away books. That's right. And you got a new one today. I don't think I've seen this title before. Uh, you're probably right. I don't, I don't think we've ever given it away before, Russell. The book this week is called All About Low Volatility Investing, which I think is important in this market because we've seen a bit of volatility, haven't we, Steve? Yes, we have. Say? Yeah, Absolutely. we've seen a little spike in volatility in the last month or two. This book tells you what volatility is, how it's measured and applied in specific ways to appraise low volatility investments, some of which we're going to talk about on the air today. I have a whole list of them to go over with you today on the air. And it t the book also tells you how to create a low volatility portfolio, which is very important. <clears throat> you can be in the market in certain segments, even small caps, and we have a low volatility ETF or two that we're going to talk about, Exchange Traded Fund, excuse me, that we're going to talk about that it shows you how to buy small caps, but without the volatility, Steve, and that's typically the area where the most volatility exists in I the mean, market. We've done a bunch of shows on uh, control or trying to control, uh, well, you can't control the volatility, but you can control your uh, exposure to it. Right, and your response to it. Probably just as important as your response to it as well. We'll send you a free copy of this book, plus information on some of the low volatility strategies that we're going to talk about today on the air. Some of the stuff we'll talk about, the investments, and we'll send it all out to you absolutely free. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give me a call, 918-398-8387. That's 918-398-8387. Just leave us your name and your address when you get our voicemail, and we'll send that book and the information out to you. It's absolutely free. The book is called All About Low Volatility Investing, which I think is an objective that most people would probably strive for, Steve, as opposed to high volatility. Well, if, if they understood it, they would. <clears throat> right. but, but the reality is uh, I don't know anybody other than you that really takes the time to explain that to people and it's very very important right and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit more in depth today but i got a question for russell if he's listening there you with me, I'm, I'm with you what's up is the government gonna shut down this week probably good i mean it and we have to realize it's about 25 or 30 percent of the government that actually gets shut down you know um it's all essential services which is just about everything yeah keeps going you know you'll still get your mail you'll still get your social security check but, yeah, I don't think either side's inclined to back down, at least not at this point. Right. I, I agree with you, certainly. And I think, um, Steve, my hope is that they shut down, they stay that way for a while. <laughs> yeah, first of all, that's that's my response. Who cares? Yeah. But secondly, I kind of go, you know what I bet doesn't get shut down? I'll bet you the World War II Veterans Memorial doesn't get shut down. I'll bet you the Lincoln Memorial doesn't get shut down. I'll bet you those iconic monuments of American history don't get shut down like they did with the last guy. Right. Well, Which I think you're probably incorrect on that. You think so? I think yeah. those will get shut down. Parks will get shut down. We'll those see. are not uh, essential services. Oh, no, I agree with That's that. That's the stuff that does get shut no, down. I agree with that. But I also think that those uh, are iconic symbols 
of America right. that this president respects, and right. the last guy didn't. But so. this president, whether you buy that argument or not, still doesn't have control over that. It's Congress that runs the budget, not yeah. the president. And yeah. they're the, point. they decide where the money gets spent. Yeah. Not well, I, guess, I guess we'll, we'll see. see what happens. Yeah, We'll yep. find out in a couple days here, probably just in a few days. There's one thing, there's one important event coming up this week that I do want to point out, aside from the government shutdown, pending government shutdown. Uh, there's a much bigger event in terms of the stock market that will impact the stock market. The Federal Reserve has their monthly meeting, and their announcement will be on Wednesday, the 19th, Steve, which regarding interest rates, which will impact the market regardless of what they do, whether they do nothing or raise rates or don't raise rates. You know, it's still going to impact the market. There's no question about that. The market thinks that they're not going to raise rates at this meeting. You don't think they will? I don't think they will. Uh, you know, I, it just we have to wait and see. But I did see a number from last month that was a little concerning. The uh, hourly wages jumped up, I think, by like three percent or three point one percent compared to a year ago. The average hourly earnings, which is a substantial increase, which is inflationary, in other words. So, would would the is there any other reason other than controlling the uh, supply of money to raise the rates? And and if you raise the rates to control the supply of money, that's typically you're trying to right head off some inflationary things. Yes. Is that what we're looking at right now? Well, I'm taking the, as a matter of fact, I'm taking an economics class right now. And I have a final on Tuesday, you know, coming up here in a couple of days. So I have to go, as soon as I get out of here, I'm going to go to my office and study for my final. But we're studying the money supply. And the money supply is the sole trigger and control for inflation, according to what they're teaching me, what they're trying to teach yep. me. And money supply is directly controlled by the Federal Reserve in the yep. United States and, and by the central banks in different countries. And, and you're right. Basically, what you do when you raise interest rates is you're trying to choke off the money supply. You're, you're constricting it. You're, you're, you're shrinking it, in other words, if you will, is what you're doing. And what it does when they do this, and, and I didn't realize this until recently, but it actually shrinks the GDP of the nation when you do it. Because it shrinks aggregate demand. It pushes demand down. Does that make sense? Because the price well, goes up tomorrow. Well, if you're trying to control inflation, which is too many dollars chasing too few goods, right? you know, couldn't you choke off the supply of money a little bit without affecting production? Well, you can, but the, but the fact is there's always an impact from an, from an interest rate hike or whatever it might be because, you know, if your mortgage goes up because the interest rate's higher, People are less inclined to buy a home, or if they are, they have to buy well, a cheaper. Right. They have right. to buy a cheaper home instead of a two hundred thousand dollar home. They might have to buy a one hundred seventy five thousand dollar home because of the the financing of it. You know, which is directly related to the consumer's responses and investment and companies as well. You know, if you have a utility company who has massive capital costs, they're going to invest smaller amounts in higher interest rate environments than they would in low interest rate environments because the cost is just higher. You know, with higher interest rates. Well, and as long as banks can make more money by not lending, then then they won't lend. Well, banks like it when rates go up. Their well, spread, their spread yes, goes up do. when yeah, rates go up. Their absolutely. spread goes up. The amount of money they make actually goes up. When rates go down like they were from 2008 through about you know a year or so ago, it's very hard for banks to make money. It really compresses their spreads. It's yeah. just hard for them to make money in that environment. And uh, it's, it's interesting to see. And I wanted to look at, speaking of condition, what condition my condition is in, Steve? The markets, world markets, Russell growth, the Russell 2000 in the U.S., down 13%. Down 13%? Down 13% last month. That's been, not my index. Have <laughs> you been manipulating this again? <laughs> Russell's, Russell controls it. That's right. I wish. And the micro, no there's a micro cap index, which is even smaller than the Russell 2000. It's down 14.36% over the last three months. Uh, world markets have fared even worse. World markets are not doing well. And, you know, we were talking about this a little bit last week, Russell, about how the markets had a tough year uh, last year, or excuse me, this year has been very rough on the international markets, especially the emerging markets. 
when markets go south on us, the emerging markets always get hit the worst, which are they're the most volatile markets by nature. So they, they take the biggest hit, which is very, very normal. And I hate to say it, but it does happen. And we're going to talk about, uh, we're just talking about interest rates, Steve, and about the, you know, the Federal Reserve meeting this week. Interest rates going up which is what's been happening lately, is bad for bonds, okay? It pushes the price of bonds down. Basically, it hurts bonds. But what we have are we have an alternative out there called floating rate funds where they have either short-term or floating rate uh, like like um, like a variable rate mortgage. You know, they have floating yep. rate loans out, basically. Yep. I found a fund, a guy, the other day from a mutual fund that pays a 4.6% yield, Steve, and is a floating rate fund, meaning it's in its average duration for the bonds that it holds are only 1.1 years very 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 short very very short time frame 1.1 years most funds have five to ten year durations in their yeah. bonds okay for example this fund pays a 4.6 percent yield it's been around for right at about 10 years now and the maximum drawdown you would have ever bought if you bought this fund on the worst day which was july 2013 for this mm -hmm. fund and you sold it on the worst day the most you would have ever lost was 0.76%. All right. That's the most drawdown it's yeah. had in 10 years. Yeah. And that's very, very little volatility for a bond fund. That's very low volatility. And it pays a 4.6% yield. Its average return over the last 10 years is 10, 10%. You know, you keep talking about the yield, and that kind of spawned a question. Sure. You, you see these CD rates, and it'll say the, the annual interest rate, but that's not the same as the annual yield. Why, why is that? Correct. There's a stated yield, which is just the actual interest that they pay you. So let's say I pay you $50 a year on a $1,000 bond or mm -hmm. $1,000, Steve, which would be a 5% stated yield, right? $50. Right. But there's an APR, which is based on the compounding of that interest because banks actually pay that interest either daily or monthly. And so it compounds. So your APR, APY, annual percentage yield will be a little bit higher than what the stated yield is because it compounds. Does that make sense? No. Okay. Well, that's the difference. <laughs> that's what the difference is. That's why they quote both to you. And one of the things well, I want to... So which one do you actually get? The lower one, I presume. They pay you the lower one, but what you make on compounding is the higher one. Oh, no, okay. That if does you leave your money sense. in there and it compounds, you, make gotcha. the, you get the higher one. That's, that's your oh, net okay. result. Well, that does make day. sense. Then. All right. Okay. And uh, banks are required to disclose it that way. One of the things I wanted to point out about this uh, mutual fund I was talking about earlier was... If, we, uh, if you were to receive the dividends at 4.6% a year, Steve, their taxes dividends at 15% or zero depending on your income compared to a CD which is taxed at in ordinary income rates like at 20% or so, 20 or 25% depending on your income. So you, you would make about 3.96 on this net versus about 1.6 on a CD after taxes and everything else. All right. I think you're ready to take a quick time out. Yes, sir. We're going to do that. The music provided today by... Mr. Dan with him, always providing a musical soundtrack, and it's especially festive because it's the holiday season. Yeah, and that is, isn't that like one of the originals? That might be the oldest Jingle Bell rock ever. All right, if you'd like a copy of today's book, all about low volatility investing, well, it's yours, absolutely free. Talk about giving away gifts. Dan's office is 918-398-8387. Just call there and leave your name and address because it's Sunday, so you're going to get the voicemail. Once again, 918-398-8387 for your free copy of All About Low Volatility Investing. You're listening to Money Talk on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG.
Welcome back to Money Talk here on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. Coming up here in about nine minutes or so, your top stories in the KRMG 24-hour Fox News Center and your forecast from Fox 23. Stay tuned. Coming up next hour, it's Fox News Sunday. Remember, if you've got questions for Dan or Steve or, well, not me because I, I know nothing, you can text us at 95920. Now here's your host for Money Talk, Mr. Dan Witham. Well, thank you, sir. We Our free book this week is uh, all about low volatility investing. We'll send you a free copy of it and information on the investments we're talking about on the show today, including the one we mentioned earlier, the low volatility mutual fund paying 4.66% yield. If you want information on all that, just give me a call at 918-398-8387, 918-398-8387. Just leave us your name and your address when you get our voicemail, and we will send it out to you absolutely free. No cost and no obligation. And I was mentioning this fund earlier, Steve, this uh, mutual fund that does the bonds. They're buying, they're buying mortgage-backed bonds like Jenny Mays, Fannie Mays, things like that, and uh, stuff that we're mostly familiar with. Their mortgages held by people, basically bonds backed yeah. by mortgages held by people. And I was at first I saw that I was a little bit concerned as to because they're mortgage-backed securities. You know, I'm thinking about 2008 yeah. and the, that whole thing and deja vu all over again, you know. And I go and I look at their literature. And their literature shows an interesting thing that's happened since 2008. Corporations since 2008 have leveraged up. Okay? After, right after 2008, they, they deleveraged. Yep. During that, that debacle, they deleveraged. Basically, they had to. They didn't have a choice. But since then, the leveraging corporations have leveraged up. It's gone upwards, the percentage, basically. But over the last 10 years, the individual homeowner's leverage has gone down by quite a bit which was surprising to me because I didn't expect to see that. So the mortgage risk right now, the default risk on mortgage is actually much lower than it was a few years ago. Which I would think indicates the strength of the economy right now. People are doing better and they have jobs and they're not falling behind as much. Yeah, and the other thing is, you're right, absolutely, that's part of it. But the other part is maybe, just maybe, the lenders actually learned something. No, I don't believe that. When, after the 08 debacle? Yeah, I, well, you know, the thing is, I still don't totally blame them for that. Right. Uh, I'm, because that was government policies in, in yes. action. And, and and people seem to think that uh, the, the feds don't impact the economy sometimes or, or, that, or that financial policy doesn't impact behavior. Financial policy always impacts behavior. Absolutely. It's just one party gets it and the other political party doesn't. It's like the law of unintended consequences, yep. if you will, because it's or unknown consequences, more like what I would say it is, because they seem to act as if they don't know what the consequences are going to be. And uh, I was looking at this this bond fund, the, the mutual fund I was referring to, that pays a 4.6% yield. You know, if you compare it to a CD, CDs are about 2%, you know, right now for maybe a two-year CD or something like that, and you're going to pay about 20% in taxes on that 2%. So you're going to net about 1.6% yep. because you pay ordinary income taxes on CD interest. Yep. On this mutual fund, if you take the 4.6% yield, and let's say if you make less than 77000 as a married couple, your tax rate is actually zero right. on that, which is kind of hard to beat. That, that can't beat that. You can't, can't get much better tax rate than that, yeah. So you would keep all 4.6% of it. But let's say you're in the 15% or you're, you're in the income bracket above 77000 up to about three or 400000 which is where there are a lot of people in that group, couples in that group. Then you're taxed at 15% on it, which is still better than the ordinary income rate. Your, your, your capital gains rate, your dividend rate is always lower than your ordinary income rate, no matter what your income level is. So then if you pay on 15% on this, you, the gross is 4.6, you would net 3.961% after taxes, 3.96 versus 1.6 on the CD. So more than double. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll take the higher number. What you got on the CD. Now, yeah. there's, now, there's a difference in risk, so let's not ignore that because the CD is a more secure investment. Right. I, I don't right. I don't want to mince words here. Let's be honest and upfront about that. But So the CD is a more secure investment, but this fund has had very, very little volatility over a 10-year period. Its maximum drawdown is 0.76%. It also, one of the things I didn't mention earlier, which is great for CD owners, people that buy CDs, this fund pays monthly dividends. Okay, then that's pretty nice. Every single month, which goes back to your APR versus APY right. uh, yeah. argument. So if you compound those dividends and you reinvest them into the fund, you end up getting more than 4.66% right. because you reinvest your money and then you get interest on your interest, so to speak, as Benjamin Franklin said. Yep. You know, it's one of the compound interest, one of the greatest inventions of all, or something of all time, yeah. I think yep. he said. He did. Greatest wonders of all time, I think was his word, phrase, excuse me. Um, but anyhow, that's those are that's just one of the investments that I like that is conservative for a bond portfolio. Bond volatility this year has gone up a good bit, and this is kind of a way to fight back and reduce your bond volatility. The longer the duration of the bonds in the portfolio, if they're five or seven or ten years, the more volatility they will have in a rising interest rate environment. In other words, the more they'll go down, the more value in price they'll go down. Yep. Uh, bonds, bond prices always respond inversely to interest rate changes. I'm not going to go into the math on that, but <laughs> yeah. they always move in the opposite direction. Let's just put that. They move in the opposite direction. If interest rates go up, your bond prices go down. Go down. If interest rates go down, your bond prices go up. That's pretty much all you need to know right there, but that's, that's the simple version of how it works. I also found a couple uh, exchange-traded funds that we can send literature out to people if they want them. These are mortgage-backed exchange-traded funds. There's two of them. And they're both yielding around 9% right now, which is awfully high, I think, considering the interest rate environment yeah. that we're in right now. You know, with CDs at 2%, money market at 1% or less. And so these are these are paying 9%. And now these are a little bit more volatile than the fund I was just speaking of earlier. So these are going to have some volatility to them. The thing is, if you're investing in these for the three-month or six-month time period, don't. If you're investing them for five or 10 years, then they might be a great investment for you. But for three months or six months, they're not going to be, because they're going to bounce around. They're going to be volatile. Yeah. And so you just have to expect that. But if you buy something like these exchange traded funds, you're buying them for the yield and you have to let them fluctuate, let the price bounce around. The yield will remain relatively constant. And one of the things about this other fund that I was talking about, the 4.6% mutual fund, as rates go up, the yield on this fund should go up as well because it's only got one-year duration, so the, it's going to get new bonds every year, basically, in the fund. Does that make sense? Yep. And as interest rates go up, the bond yields will go up on those bonds that they're issuing, so they have to go up. And so the, this is a kind of a floating rate fund where the rate's going to float upward in this environment. So it may be at 4.6 right now, but I would expect it to increase over time given the current interest rate environment, unless the Fed you know, changes everything and decides to go the opposite direction uh, next week. But I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. Steve, one of the things I found out in my economics class that was very interesting there's a formula we use for government fiscal policy not monetary policy fiscal policy okay, okay? Yep. it is a formula that says for any tax increase no matter how big the tax increase if everything else is held constant all else being equal right for any tax increase there is always a decrease in gdp always according to the formula now that's if everything else is held constant yeah. which we know isn't always the case. So it, it was kind of an interesting, it was kind of an eye-opener to me because I thought, wow, that, I didn't expect to see that because people for years have argued that that wasn't true. You know, many people, and they still argue that that isn't true, that tax increases are good for the economy. They're not. They, they hurt the GDP. They actually reduce your GDP. Well, those same people that say that also don't believe in the Laffer curve either. Right. And, and yet we're, we're experiencing that right now with the, the reduction in tax rates over the last couple of years, record amount 
of uh, taxes are being collected, the amount of money collected goes up when the tax rates go down. That's the Laffer curve. Now, everybody goes, well, well, you know, there's still a deficit. I know I get all that. Right. But we get back to the old thing. We, we don't have a collection problem. We have a spending problem. Right. Get spending under control. There's, there's plenty of money to do the things we ought to be doing. Yeah, and the, de- the deficit is independent of the Laffer curve. Laffer curve no, does not address the deficit. No, I understand that. But, I mean, just talking right. about the, the annual debt and stuff like that, yes. the difference in what we spend versus what we collect. We're coll- My point is we're collecting more literally historical amounts of tax revenue is coming in, coming in right now. Mm-hmm. And we're still upside down. Yes. Correct. Absolutely. And so it's a mess. That place is a yeah. mess. That's all I can say. I got another ETF to run by you real quick, Steve. This one buys stocks like William O'Neill stocks. Kind of like the, the the IBD stocks that we talked about a while back. The yep. high growth stocks is what it is. It's an ETF that buys these stocks and it holds uh, many of them in the portfolio. I'm trying to see how many are in there. 122 stocks in this portfolio. Mostly uh, these are large and mid-cap stocks, but this is a great little, I think a good little ETF. It's up 25% over the last year. It's averaged 18.5% over the last five years. And this is one purchase. You don't have to pick the stocks. You can just buy the whole thing. Buy the, you're yeah. buying 122 stocks, essentially buying an index. Russell, I know we got to hit the break, so I better be quiet for a minute, I guess. And on that note, and this note, I'll remind everybody, if you'd like a free copy of today's book, all about low volatility investing, call Dan's office at 918-398-8387. Be sure and leave your name and address so they know where to send that free book. 918-398-8387. More Money Talk after this time out on News 1023 KRMG. It's the most. Well, welcome back to Money Talk, live and local here on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. Coming up in less than half an hour now, stay tuned for Fox News Sunday. They've got a lot to talk about. If you've got questions you'd like us to talk about, you can text us at 95920. Your host for Money Talk is Mr. Dan Witham, and Mr. Dan Witham's giving away books. That's right, Russell. The book this week is all about low volatility investing. We'll send you a free copy of it and information on the low volatility investments we've been talking about on the show today it's all free just give me a call at 918-398-8387 that's 918-398-8387 it is the weekend so of course you'll get our voicemail all we ask is that you just leave us your name and your address please and we'll send the book and the information to you absolutely free this is a good book steve on low volatility i think people don't realize that a lot of these investments exist, and there's a lot of advisors I can tell you that don't realize these investments well, exist. Well, and that's the sad part right there. You yes. Know, who, who are you going to call? Uh, Ghostbusters, I guess, because nobody <laughs> else talks talks about it. Well, and I started researching this last week, you know, to look at these low volatility investments. I was impressed with what I found. There's a, quite a plethora of them out there. And this one we were talking about before the break, which has these growth stocks in. I was talking about the, like the William O'Neill type stocks, you know, that are fast movers, so to speak. Yep. And it's up 25% over the last year, 18% over the last five years per year, 18 0.57% per year. But then I looked at that and I thought, what's the volatility of this thing like? You know, because these are gross stocks. They're, you would expect it to be volatile, right? You expect this index to be fairly volatile. This and, and, you, but, and just to be clear for people that maybe haven't heard this conversation before, when you're talking about volatility, you're talking about the prices bouncing up and down, right? right. The amount of movement away from the average, how much yes. it deviates from the average, the, you know, how many prices do. The standard deviation of this exchange traded fund that I'm referring to with these gross stocks in it is 9.61 which is right at half of the S&P's standard deviation of 18, historical standard deviation of around 18. So at 9.61, it is actually 
relatively low volatility. And it's got these little startup companies in it, Steve, which you may have heard of one or two of them. There's one called Amazon, which is in there. I think I've heard something. Yeah, Microsoft is in there, Visa, Boeing, MasterCard, J.P. Morgan, Cisco, Netflix. These little, these are tiny little companies nobody's ever heard of, I know. But yeah, well, maybe they'll, I, I wish them the best. I hope they make it. Yeah, they'll do, they'll probably do well someday, yeah, hopefully. Little mom and pops. That's right. That's right. Another, I got another exchange trade fund that I want to talk about here. There's a lot of people are always interested in dividend paying stocks and companies that have long histories of paying dividends. There's an index out there called the Dividend Aristocrats Index which is companies that have increased their dividends every year for 25 years or longer. It's a long time. That's a long time. 25 years. There are 53 of them in the universe, I can tell you. That's oh, how my many, gosh. That's how many exist. And they're in this exchange-traded fund. And some of these companies, which you'll know probably all of them, 3M, Coca-Cola, you know, Colgate, uh, Procter & Gamble, Stanley, Black & Decker, Kimberly-Clark, PepsiCo, couple of those little Archer Daniels Midland, little startup farm company, you know, <laughs> out there. So these companies have been Lowe's is in there, Walgreens is in there, McDonald's, you know, there's a lot of good companies, very good companies in this exchange traded fund. And these are you know, the, the higher dividend paying stocks, which is what essentially these are, are typically more mature companies like Walmart is in here, McDonald's I mentioned earlier, yeah. you know, is in here. These are companies that have been around for a while. And so they tend to have by nature a little bit less volatility than smaller, newer companies do. And these are not high growth companies. These are not companies that are pushing the envelope, so to speak. These are companies that have been around for a long time. Procter & Gamble, I think, has been around for over 100 years. I mean, they've been around forever. And they're making products that are well known. These are companies that are financially very, very strong and very stable. And, you know, these are your S&P 100 companies and your Dow 30 companies is what you're looking at here for the most part and so these are a lot of people like this index the dividend aristocrats index if you pull it up and go to bloomberg or something and pull it up it's a pretty low volatility index it's done very well i can tell you over the last 10 years or so it's averaged about nine percent per year and in 08 in 2008 steve the index was down two percent well, that's a little better than uh, everybody else, isn't it? A lot better than the market. At 38 yeah. minus 38 where the market came in. This index was only off 2% in that year. So it's it's done pretty well. It's pretty defensive is what I'm trying to you say. You know, I just th think some fund with the word aristocrat in it just sounds a little snooty, you know. It's, <laughs> you know, you know, if, I, if I'm starting, you know, I'm maybe in my 30s and then I'm going to try to save a little bit, invest a little bit. Right. I just don't know if that fund, you know, it's like, man, that's. And I think that's a problem with legal stuff and I think investing stuff. People think you have to have a lot sometimes. And, and a lot of times you don't. Right. Just Absolutely. start. Just do something. Absolutely. And there's another one in here. There's a, yeah, a mid cap and a small cap or a dividend index that are similar. Companies are smaller companies, of course, in market capitalization. But there are similar indexes. There's three of them. There's a large cap one, which is the dividend aristocrats. And there's a mid cap and a small cap one. There's an exchange traded fund for all three of those, which I like very much. And, and I'm actually putting them in my portfolios now and using all three of them as part of the portfolios, along with the next one I have on my list, which is a large cap, low volatility index basically it's an exchange traded fund based on a large cap low volatility index is designed to be designed to be the large companies of the world but with lower volatility it's up 8.7 percent this year beating the market by quite a bit quite a wide margin over the last year it's up 14 percent five-year average is 13.19 percent we mentioned price to book ratio earlier, which is, you know, the, how much it's, it's worth in relation to the book value of the company. This has a price to book ratio of 3.12, which is pretty low, actually fairly low. And I, I do like that. And I'm very pleased with that. They also have another exchange traded fund by the same company on the small cap, which is a small cap low volatility index, which I like very much. So I like being able to jump into the small cap arena 
without a lot of volatility. And this one has a price-to-book ratio of only 1.72. Very low price-to-book ratio, which means it's very undervalued or they're relatively undervalued is what they're thinking here with this one. And the nice part of this one is the expense ratio for this exchange-traded fund is 0.12%. Very, very low. That's pretty low. That's cheap. Because most mutual funds are one to one and a half percent, and this is one tenth, a little over one tenth of one percent is what it's charging. So, at what point do you take all three of those, the high cap, mid cap, low cap, low volatility funds, and just form a fourth fund with the average of those three? I suppose you could. But the nice thing is, people like to be able to pick which one they want to own, because not everybody wants to own the small caps. All right. There's some people that just don't want small caps, and then that's fine. I mean, but let's define small caps. I mean, that's not like a buck ninety-five. No, these are three billion and under. Yeah, yeah. Company. So I mean, let's. It's not a real small company. It, no, not, no, no, that's it's not. not a tiny little company. It's, no, it's but not. that's in relation to the market. It is because you know Apple's at a, approaching what a trillion dollars yeah. market cap or whatever it might be. So compared to some companies, they are relatively small cap. It just depends on the uh, on the company. Of is course. there is there a teeny tiny cap? <laughs> micro cap. Yeah, we have micro caps. Micro caps. Oh, micro caps yes. Okay, I didn't and see that. And so, what are those? Those are under a billion. And then oh, 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 well. Yeah. Micro. It's You've micro. only got a billion. Come yeah. on. Why are you even here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so size does matter, I guess, on these uh, phones. That's right. right. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, it's it's uh, interesting. And there's a lot of things out there, a lot of different exchange-traded funds like that out there. And this is one of the reasons that I've talked for years about how I like exchange-traded funds, Steve, yep. because they're new products, they're innovative, and you won't see a mutual fund that buys the dividend aristocrats index because a mutual fund feels it has to be more diversified and have much bigger holdings, much more holdings. But you'll see ETFs, exchange-traded funds, that do this all the time. And the exchange-traded funds are much more nimble than mutual funds. They also have much lower expense ratios on average. You know, and I'm speaking general terms here. They generally have lower expense expense ratios that mutual funds do and uh there you can get much more specific industries like there's one on just the oil and gas services industry there's one on the medical equipment industry you can't get mutual funds that are that specific i mean i have never seen them if they do exist so they're much more broad like a, a mutual fund might just be medical services or medical healthcare in general you know from equipment to services to everything and as you know Healthcare services are not the same as healthcare equipment. No, they're not. The industries are very different. And, well, and the profitability of the industries are very different, I should yes, say. Yes, it is. And it, a lot of it depends on innovation and, and patents and things like that, as far as, especially on the pill side or the medicine Especially side. on the pill side. Yeah, on the medical side, shall we say, despite what the government and Obamacare and all that stuff those people claim. <laughs> It is uh, interesting to look at over the years. But what I'm doing now is I'm putting together portfolios uh, on a new platform that my company has that are where we trade these exchange-traded funds, Steve, and we put a bunch of these into a portfolio, and we have different ones. We have conservative, moderate, aggressive, and or growth and aggressive ones, and we have a new platform where we can do it all for no ticket charges now, and we have no no transaction costs whatsoever for the client, which I, I'm really pleased with. That's pretty, pretty and, nice. And I can put these together, and I can control the portfolio and what goes into and out of the portfolio, and we have funds and exchange, mutual funds and exchange-traded funds on the platform. And so I'm, I'm getting I'm getting excited about some of these things that we're seeing coming down the road here. And that one's going live in just a week or two, as a matter of fact. So that will be coming up uh, here very shortly. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm trying to design the portfolios right now to uh, to get ready to roll them out in January. All right. You want to take a quick time out? Sure. You're kind of looking at me like, hey, play that music. There we go. That's the, the Ronettes version of Frosty. How cool is that? If you'd like a free copy of today's book all about low volatility investing, call Dan's office at 918-398-8387. Do be sure and leave your name and address so they know where to send 
the book. Nobody there today. It's Sunday. The number again for that free book, 918-398-8387. More money talk after a quick timeout on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. Welcome back to Money Talk here on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. I'm Russell Mills coming up here in a little less than nine minutes. Your top stories of the KRMG 24-hour Fox News Center and your forecast from our friends at Fox 23. Stay tuned. Coming up next hour, it's Fox News Sunday. If you've got comments or questions, you can text us at 95920. A couple people have done just that, and we'll get to that in just a second. But first, Mr. Dan Witham is giving away books like Christmas candy. What okay. is the book this week, sir? Thank you, sir. I'm, I was rocking out to the music in oh, here. I was okay. enjoying that music. Just kidding. <laughs> Anyhow, I have that power now. It's right. unbridled power they've uh -oh. given me. The book is all about low volatility investing. We'll send you a free copy of it and information on the uh, stock, excuse me, exchange traded funds and things, mutual funds we've been talking about on the show today. Low volatility investments is what I'm trying to say. We'll send it all out to you for free. Just give me a call at 918-398-8387, 918-398-8387. Just leave us your name and your address. When you get our voicemail, we'll send that out to you for free. No cost whatsoever. Steve, can you read me that uh, question up there on yeah, the board? Yeah, we had a text. Uh, what is the minimum investment for the ETFs you discussed? That is a great question, and I apologize for not addressing that. That was my oversight. There is no minimum for exchange-traded funds. You can buy one share of an exchange-traded fund if you want to. Wow. Uh, hopefully that answers the question, but that's... That's, per, that's a pretty straightforward answer. Yeah. You're not going to read that other one, huh, Steve? <laughs> no, I'm not going to read the other one. Oh, come on. I'll, all right, I'll read it. It says, I really enjoyed Mr. Money's comments. Steve over Russell, easy. <laughs> okay, uh, well. so you win. Well, no, no. No, no there's no winning. <laughs> it's not a contest. No, no, it's winning. Take it. No, okay. no. Take it and run with it. No, but, but I, I think that highlights why I enjoy doing this show because we have differences of opinion and we get them out and we go and makes it interesting. Well, and we have different areas of expertise yep. and, and you guys know a lot of stuff I don't know. And I know a couple of things about government and I say politics in one of them, but, yeah. but <laughs> other than that, I wade in that pool and then I take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I have a interesting investment for those who are really risk averse, Steve, an equity linked certificate of deposit. Yeah. We've talked about that. Yes. We have one that is very short right now. It's 1.75 years, 1.75 years, one and three quarters years, okay? So a year and nine months. It's pegged to the S&P Economic Cycle Factor Rotator Index, which has averaged about 9% a year for the last 10 years, roughly, to give you an idea what it's yeah, going you to know, be. Russell and I were just texting about that the other That's day. That's right. About you guys that think about this index. index. Yeah, the Economic oh, Cycle yeah. Rotator Index. Really keeping a close eye on that. Yep. Well, it's averaged about 9% a year for the last uh, 10 years. And this is a one and three quarter year CD. They're going to give you 110% of whatever the index does over that period. Well, that's not bad. So if it does 9%, and I don't know what it'll do, it may do less than that, but it, you would make about 9.9% .9 on the CD per year on a one and a three quarter year CD. That, that's, that's not pretty good. That's, that's a little more than the bad. bank's going to give that, you, I that's think. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a lot right. more than the bank's going to give you. And speaking of annuities, Steve. Yes, sir. <laughs> I can't go an hour. Can't go a week without <laughs> bashing the, the A word. Those poor annuity I guys. I ran into one the other day that is that American equity garbage, for lack of a better term. It's one of their annuities. and I like the way you, ma you made it French. Yes, that's uh, right. To make French. it sound a little classier. <laughs> that's right. Huh? 
We have a four-year CD that we offer pegged to the Dividends Aristocrats Index we were talking about yeah. earlier, right? Okay. We have a CD pegged to that index, a four-year CD that pays you 125% of the index return per year. Okay? Yeah. 125% of the index. The index has averaged around nine also for the last 10 years. I found an annuity the lady had that came to see me, and they offered this in her annuity, the index. And how does that work? Guess what they're going to pay her on it? The index minus 3% per year. Yeah, I, I almost <laughs> I almost said a word I shouldn't say, but uh, so, wow. So, yeah, so if the index does nine percent, she would get six in the annuity, and the equity link CD, which is FDIC insured, would give her ten point eight on the same index. And they do it with a straight face. Yes, but which one do you think pays a higher commission? Oh yeah, the one she's selling. The annuity. The annuity. Well, she was sold. Yeah. She was sold the annuity. Yeah, she was sold the annuity. So the annuity pays a much higher commission, six percent versus ten point eight. And the ten point eight, the equity link CD has greater security. It also doesn't tie up your money for sixteen years. Oh my gosh! It's only a four year CD. So by the way, how old was the lady that came in and showed you that? Uh, Seventy five, I think. I was, I was guessing she wasn't thirty. You know? No, no, no. And so, so she's already at the. Uh, you know, life expectancy uh, yeah. uh, situation. And now she's got to live how many more years? 26 more years or something? Just about 11 more for, oh, 11 the, for more the annuity. Yeah, for okay. the annuity. Just about 11 more years. She's had it for a few years already. So oh, okay. she's okay. only got 11 to go on that one. Wow. Um, but yeah, so say, like I said many times, stay away from those from the annuity sharks, if you will, because they don't have your best interest at heart, in my opinion. But for what it's worth. Yes. So if I can go back to that text, actually, because I suspect that that texter was asking or uh, inquiring about a dollar amount for a minimum investment. The and, on and, ETF, yeah. Yeah, and if they were, is that like some dollar amount that you have to have a minimum amount um, to no, invest? No, it's just the price of the ETF. So if the ETF sells for $50, you can buy one share for $50. Okay. So you have to have enough to buy one share, but that's all you have to have. I mean, so so that's what the minimum is. And, and all ETFs have different prices, of course. They go from okay. $10 to $150 or whatever it might be. But, yeah, you can buy one share of an exchange-traded fund. You know, it depends on how you want to do it and which way you want to do it. Uh, and these are available pretty much everywhere. I think every broker-dealer offers exchange-traded funds. I don't know of any that don't or why they wouldn't. Uh, exchange-traded funds are becoming very, very popular, and they're, and they're eating market share from mutual funds every so, single day. So there are some things that, that you will say it's like you need a minimum of X thousands of dollars to get into this. Right. That's not one of them. Right. It's just the cost of one share. Right. And whatever that is, depending on the fund, that's what it is. Yep. And if you got five hundred dollars, you can buy some of the fund. There you now go. on the CDs that we we're talking about just now, the equity link CDs, the minimum is a thousand dollars, just so you know. Okay. It's, they're they're bought in thousand dollar increments. And so that does have a minimum, it's a thousand dollars. But I do like the equity link CDs for the right for conservative investors. They are geared toward very, very conservative investors. And on that one year, nine month deal, you have to hold it the whole time, correct? Yes, absolutely. So I'm thank you for mentioning that. Absolutely you must hold to maturity, otherwise it's not guaranteed. You do not want to sell it before maturity, no matter what. Are we about out, Russell? Just about out of time, sir. Did okay. you have any final thoughts you wanted to share before we... No? Call me if you'd like the information on the low volatility investments that we've talked about on today's show. I would love to send that information out to people. People just aren't aware of this stuff, I don't think. I know I wasn't. So thanks for sharing all that. 
We're going to rock out with some Harry Connick on our way out. If you'd like a free copy of today's book, all about low volatility investing, call Dan's office at 918-398-8387. Do be sure and leave your name and address. The number again, 918-398-8387. Money Talk airs right here, live on KRMG every Sunday from 10 to 11. Up next, your top stories of the KRMG 24-hour Fox News Center. I'm Russell Mills. Have a great Sunday. And then I heard some